the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Remember, the, the point here is that rather than being resentful over this injustice, we're to demonstrate the righteousness that Jesus Christ has demonstrated. That righteousness that, that he's transformed our hearts with. He's given us a new nature. We can do this. This is the behavior of, of God who is kind and merciful to evil people like us. It's only natural to resent being treated unjustly. I remember twice being physically punished in school for things I didn't do. I was so furious, I was shaking. But that was my old nature. The new one is much more aware that if God really gave me what I deserve, I'd be on fire. But I still struggle sometimes, and I suspect we all do. That new nature, though, is one that the Holy Spirit puts into those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. When Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, he was showing how that nature should reveal itself in the lives of his followers. Our topic for the past few weeks here on Verse by Verse has been the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading this series of lessons from Matthew chapter 5. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In verse 38, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, the Pharisees taught that what Moses was teaching in the law was a command for equal retribution. They had taken a command to judges to limit penalties in injury cases and twisted it to be a license, even a responsibility, to retaliate personally against anyone who wrongs us. So what are some of the ways we might feel justified in striking back at someone? And how can we leave that job to the Lord? Here's Pastor Steve to explain. The first example of non-retaliation has to do with how, to re- how we respond to the evil of being insulted. Notice verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. And now he goes on to say, here's what I mean. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, how does a Pharisee respond to being slapped on the cheek? I, I can tell you right now, without a, a moment's hesitation, he slaps right back. That's how he responds. But Jesus tells us that we are to turn the other cheek. Now, what is he talking about? Some people think that the Lord is talking about being physically attacked. If someone attacks you and you say, here, take another swing at me. That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about physical violence. He's not talking even about being punched in the mouth. He's not talking about when thugs pounce on you. He's not talking about that at all. He's not saying just stand there. And take it like a punching bag. That's nonsense. The Bible doesn't teach that. Defend yourself. But what Jesus is describing is the act of insulting someone by slapping them in the face with the back of your hand. Now, we know that this is exactly what he's referring to because notice what he said. Jesus specifically spoke about someone slapping you on your right cheek. He didn't say left cheek. He said right cheek. 
Most people are right-handed in society. The the statistic is about 90% of individuals in society are right-handed. Now that means, and visualize this, if a right-handed person takes a swing at your face, he's hitting you on the left cheek, not the right cheek. Just visualize it. It's true. Jack, come on up here. Let me know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> See, I didn't have you in the first service to do that. But, uh, but you can visualize that. If someone takes a swing at you, they're hitting you on your left cheek. But a backhanded slap by a right-handed person would result in being slapped on the right cheek. That's what the Lord is referring to. And, and it's not simply an insult. Remember, what, this, what does this mean in the Jewish culture of that day? Kent Hughes explains what it means to be slapped in the context of the culture of our Lord's day. He writes this, according to rabbinic law, to hit someone with the back of the hand was twice as insulting as hitting him with the flat of the hand. The back of the hand meant calculated contempt, withering disdain. It meant that you were scorned as inconsequential, a nothing. Folks, what it was to slap somebody in the face with the back of the hand was the height of insults. It was so demeaning. It was the most demeaning kind of insult because it was an an attack upon your honor. It basically said that you were irrelevant. You You were even less than human. It stripped you of all dignity. It stripped you of all respect. That, that's what Jesus is talking about. And I doubt if any of us are ever going to be put through such a degrading humiliation of being literally slapped in the face. But it is very likely that you and I will experience the indignity of being verbally assaulted in a degrading manner, especially for our faith in Christ. And when that happens, Jesus said that we are to turn the other cheek, which is simply a symbolic way of saying that we're not to retaliate by striking back with insults. You put me down, I'm going to put you down. You insulted me, I'm going to insult you. Rather, we are to respond with a humble, gracious spirit and just leave our defense to God. They attack us, leave it with God. That's what Jesus did. He'll protect you. You don't need to to defend yourself. Instead of firing back with cutting remarks and jabbing verbally with somebody, just bear the insults and let God defend you. That's how this is applied. That's what Jesus is talking about. Don't retaliate. Second example of not retaliating has to do with how we respond to the evil of of injustice, legal injustice. Verse 40 says this, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Now, I think we're so far removed, 2,000 years removed, that we, we really don't understand whether this really meant in his day. In this illustration, Jesus pictures a man being sued for his shirt, which was a rather common occurrence in that day because in ancient times, if you were sued and and you had no money to pay the fine, the court would often require the fine to be paid by a piece of clothing. And that clothing usually was literally your shirt, the shirt off your back. The shirt that he's talking about or tunic was a long garment that was worn as an undergarment, much like today's form-fitting body shirt. That's what he's referring to. They sue you. That's why you'd give your shirt. Because otherwise you'd think, why am I giving my shirt? Why would someone sue me for my shirt? Because you have no other money to give to the person. Now, when a Pharisee is sued, what's his reaction? He sues right back. He'll come at you even harder. Because he's offended. He's got legal rights. He's going to use the law to his advantage. He's not going to take this injustice. But Jesus said, 
that's a citizen of the kingdom, instead of being concerned about his right to defend himself out of a spirit of retaliation, if he loses in a court case, not only does he give his shirt, which he has to by law in this setting, but he throws in his coat as well. Uh, That might not mean a whole lot to us today because we think, you know what, I've got plenty of coats. But it did mean a lot in that day because people didn't have more than one coat. And a coat was used, an overcoat was used as a blanket at night. These were poor people. These were very poor people. It was an indispensable item to a Jewish person because it kept him warm from from the cold. And in Israel, contrary to what you might think, it does get cold. In fact, it was so indispensable that the law stated in Exodus 22 that if somebody took a man's coat for security, he had to return it each night. It would be cruel to to not do that. Man would, would shiver and be extremely cold. It was his blanket. And so when Jesus tells us that when an evil person sues and wins, we should give up our coat as well as our shirt, in principle, he means that if you are the victim of an evil injustice, We are not to insist upon our personal rights or even, for that matter, our legal rights in order to get even with the person who did this. Instead, we're actually to go out of our way to help those who hurt us by voluntarily giving them, yes, more than what the law required. More than what was legally required of us. Remember, the the point here is that rather than being resentful over this injustice, we're to demonstrate the righteousness that Jesus Christ has demonstrated that righteousness that that he's transformed our hearts with. He's given us a new nature. We can do this. This is the behavior of, of God who is kind and merciful to evil people like us. We're to be like that to others. Folks, as I said, this is this is radical teaching. This runs counter to our culture. This goes against everything we've ever been taught in society. But this is the very reason why Jesus said that our righteousness must far exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees because they're not doing anything like this. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You're not getting my shirt. You're not getting anything from me. That kind of mentality. Legalists know nothing of grace. You know that. They know nothing of grace. It's all about them. It's not about giving. It's only about taking. But a follower of Christ, we know what it means to be treated well by God because we've all been treated Far better than we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we'd be in hell today. There's a third example of not retaliating that Jesus gave. And it has to do to to how do you respond to the evil demands of, of those in authority over you? If someone in authority over you demands something of you that's evil, that's wrong. Verse 41, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. That's actually now a rather famous expression in our culture. Go the extra mile. Well, what the Lord is referring to is that in in that day, Rome was in charge of Israel. They were also in charge of many nations. And under Roman law, a soldier had the right to force a Jewish citizen to carry his bags for a mile. It's not actually a mile. It's close to a mile. And regardless of what a Jewish person was doing, he could be working in the field, he could be traveling with his family, he could be going to market. If a band of Roman soldiers came along and said, hey, you have to carry my bags for a mile, he had to. He had to. And after a mile, the law said he was to stop 
put down the bags, and the Roman soldiers could get somebody else to carry it for another mile. It was actually rather convenient for the Romans to do this, but it was extremely humiliating for the Jewish people because not only was it demeaning, but it reminded them that they were as a nation, God's people in bondage to the Gentiles, to to Rome. Now, how would a a Pharisee respond to to forced labor? I could tell you that he'd have to do this. Otherwise, he'd be attacked by the soldiers, but he'd do it with deep resentment. He'd, he'd mutter under his breath, and he'd, he'd long for the day when he could get back at Rome for demeaning him like this, for degrading him. But Jesus said that, that his followers are not only to carry the bags for a mile without any resentment, without any desire for revenge, but, they're, but they are, once that, that mile stopped, keep going. Give him an extra mile. Volunteer to go one more mile. Folks, that's unheard of, unheard of. In other words, go beyond what your authority has demanded of you. Now, you and I are never going to be asked by Roman authorities to carry their bags for a mile, but you will have authority over you who may be very evil and demanding things of you that that you don't really like. It may be some government official who tells you, you can't do this and your attitude might be, but that's not fair. But that's what he said anyway. It may be an employer, it may be a teacher, it may be a husband over a wife. It may be parents over children. They may force you to do things that that are unreasonable. You don't just consider them unreasonable, they may very well be unreasonable. They may give you tasks that make your life miserable. In an employer-employee situation, they may be putting things on you, trying to force you to quit. In the spirit of what Jesus taught, the way to respond to the demands of an evil authority isn't to hate them, isn't to think up creative ways to get back at them, but rather do some extra work. Do extra work with the spirit of generosity. Go that extra mile. Do more than what is required of you. That's the principle. That's the principle. Fourth example that Jesus gave of of how not to retaliate and how to respond properly to evil is the evil of being taken advantage of financially. This is the one that when it gets to our checkbooks, this is the ones we we perk up on. Verse 42, give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Now, I think that I I must clarify this. This This is not an open encouragement to give money to every freeloader and every professional beggar who pleads with you for money. We're to be discerning. There are professional crooks out there that that play upon Christians. They know how to get it out of you. They make you feel guilty. They say, don't you love people? And they they know exactly what they're they're doing. They're freeloaders. Paul made it very clear in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He said, if a man is not willing to work, he's not going to eat either. Don't give to somebody like that. Don't give to somebody who pretends that he needs this, but he's not willing to work, and he doesn't really need it. He's going to spend this money on drugs or alcohol. You're not obligated to to help a person like that. So, So understand, he's not talking about that. And I might add, Paul wasn't saying don't give to somebody who can't find work. He's talking about somebody who refuses to work. So we want to eliminate that. The Lord is not teaching that just because somebody asks of you, be naive and, and, and just give to everybody. We have to be discerning. We have to be. However, sometimes even the most discerning individual 
can be taken advantage of by someone who borrows from them without ever having the intention of paying it back. Now, we're talking about when there are legitimate needs, not someone who's trying to deceive you when they've got plenty. We're talking about legitimate needs. This seems to be the the evil of being taken advantage of, even when there's legitimate needs, seems to be what Jesus is referring to because in Deuteronomy 15, the Mosaic law taught that every seven years, all debts were canceled. All debts were canceled. And then it was marked off every seven years, not from when someone borrowed, but there was a segment of time every seven years. So what if someone had this all figured out and came to you in the last month of the sixth year and said, I I really have some needs. Could I borrow from you? You might be reluctant to, to give him that loan because you know, and he knows that in a month's time, he doesn't have to pay it back and there's nothing you can do about it. He'd be legally free from the debt. The courts would stand behind him. The judges of Israel would say, that's right. Why'd you do such a thing like that? You knew Why would you do that? Now, what would a Pharisee do with a request like this? I can tell you exactly. He'd turn away from this person with anger and disgust and annoyance, wanting to get back at him for trying to exploit him and exploiting the system. But Jesus said to his followers, far from being angry and wanting to get even, we're not to turn away from this request, but we're instead, we're to give. We're to give even if the other person might take advantage of us. And I want you to look once again at Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 34. I think Luke is even more uh, clear in the intent of Christ's words. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. He's saying, if if you give and you're guaranteed you're getting money back, what virtue is that in in your life? Even the non-Christians do that. There's no big deal to that. Anyone can do that. But he said in verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, notice this, expecting nothing in return. Now they may indeed give you back the money, but expect nothing in return. And your reward, if that happens, will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. We we read that before, but that's the whole context. See, in in all of these statements, and all these examples of non-retaliation, the Lord is calling us to do the same thing. He's telling us to be different from the self-centered Pharisees. Instead of retaliating like they did, Christ followers are to be like him. We're to, we're to do good to those who do evil to us. We're not simply to back off and say, well, I'll avoid this person. I was burned once. I'll never have anything to do with them again. No, you think of ways to respond by benefiting them. That, that's what love does. That's what love does. Instead of retaliating, we're to be giving. Now, someone may say, but why? Why let someone get away with doing evil like this? The answer is they don't get away with it. Nobody gets away with it. Romans 12, 19 says, leave room for the wrath of God. God will deal with them, whether in this life or in the life to come. Let the Lord deal with them. Get out of his way. 
You'll only mess things up. It's not your responsibility to punish anybody. Unless you're a civil judge, it's not your responsibility to do that. It's not my responsibility. If somebody comes at us, you've got to make sure of your motivations. This doesn't mean that you you never uh, file for damages. This doesn't mean that you don't use the legal system. But it does mean that if you do that, make sure that it's it's not born out of the evil motives of striking back. That's all this is saying. This doesn't mean that there's never to be any lawsuit. There's, it doesn't mean there's never to be. Now, we're not to ever sue another Christian. 1 Corinthians 6 says that. But it simply means that, that you are never to do anything motivated by retaliation. Let God take care of the evil in his own way and in his own time. Just make sure that you do the loving thing and are not guilty of vengeance. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. And, and we want to ask some questions as we're quiet before him. First of all, are you really a follower of Christ? How you respond to a message like this is very revealing of how far you'll go in following Christ. Because this this kind of stuff is not convenient. This kind of stuff goes against our grain. But are you a follower of Christ? Are you willing to follow him in not retaliating? In setting aside your own personal rights? That's what Jesus did. He laid aside his rights. He had every right to continue in the form of God. But Philippians 2 says he laid aside his rights so that he became a man. And becoming a man, he humbled himself and went to the cross. But we're to lay aside our personal rights. The Apostle Paul certainly did. Insulted, beaten, scorned, laid aside his rights. You and I are called to die to ourselves and to refuse to be concerned about your rights and your honor. As I said before, if If God gave us what we deserve, we'd all be in hell this very moment. He gives us instead mercy and kindness and calls us to be like that to others. Folks, you want to make an impact on your world? You want to really represent Christ well? Then then live like this. And ask God to show you the individual situations and how you have to apply it to those situations. Second question, have you ever received his mercy and kindness? found only in Christ, in the atonement of Jesus Christ, he died died for sinners. If you know you're a sinner and you know that you need forgiveness of those sins, then that's only through the death of the Lord Jesus. If you've never trusted Christ, I urge you to repent of your sin, turn to him, believing that he died on the cross to pay for your sins. And, and as you do that, there's a submission. Not only are you trusting him for salvation, but in your trust, there's an attitude of submission to his authority over you so that you're willing to follow him even in not retaliating. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a passage like this, Lord, that, that deals with such practical issues, issues, Lord, that we face all the time, work, school. We live in an evil world. We live with evil people who, who do want to hurt us. And, and perhaps, Lord, in this whole setting, you were referring to, to persecution and what might happen as we face that. But even if it's not persecution, Lord, we, we face this just in the daily grind of life. Help us to be those who, who never are vengeful, but who are loving and kind. Lord, to remember your grace and mercy in our own lives. 
And we, we pray that for those who need Christ, you'll draw them to yourself. For those battling with attitudes, even today, may this be a liberating, a very freeing study this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's hard when we live in an unforgiving, retaliatory world to remember that vengeance is not our job. It's God's job, and He will take care of it at the right time. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse as we learn about the Sermon on the Mount. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're curious about Lakeside or would like to talk with someone about salvation, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. You'll find lots of information about Lakeside, including service times and directions, on the website, lakesidechapel.com. That's lakesidechapel.com. And if you'd like to request a free audio CD with the sermon Pastor Steve just finished, message 4132, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, call that same number, 727-441-1714. Or you can listen to today's or any previous broadcast at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Go to the message archive page and you can stream or download those files at no charge. If you'd like to help Verse by Verse with a financial gift, though, we would be grateful. If not for the generous gifts of our listeners, we could not continue these broadcasts, so thank you. There's giving information on the website, or you can call Lakeside at the number I gave earlier, 727-441-1714. This is Jerry Peterson. The Bible says we are to love our enemies. Anyone find that easy? Me neither. We can all use some help there, so join us for the next Verse by Verse. to give you strength between three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.